You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast. Josh Woodward and I have been burning up on these episodes here on the Real Estate of Things fireside chat series. This is the third and final one, and we have to hit the investment strategies of rental and multifamily investing. This is going to have some great insights for all operators of all shapes and sizes. Let's get at it. How we think about rental and and how investors are talking about it, because that's probably been the most seismic shift in terms of asset class investment. So what are you hearing and feeling on the rental investment side? So uh, it's been a big shift this last year and uh, it's for a pretty obvious reason. And again, this is a topic we haven't gotten into too much yet at this fireside chat. Um, You know, as rates have gone up this year, you know, Fed increases rates, passes into the capital markets. We have to inherit a bunch of that. There's a a number of variables and factors that that you can illuminate more on. But, you know, as rates have gone up, naturally demand has gone down. You look at the residential mortgage space, it's something around an 87% drop in refi business, but only a 40% drop in purchase or something along those lines. It's it's astronomical, the shift in the lessening of demand for a, a fixed rental product that we've seen. And so we've seen you know, our product set changes as, as well. Um, and again, it's really just mainly tied to interest rates. So let me pause there because you are a resident expert in all things interest rates running capital markets under your <laughs> umbrella as well. So like, give us some insights a little bit more into the, the rates that have affected this. Then let's get back into landlords and, sure. and you know, what what's the underlying assets effect? Yeah, expert might be generous, but we do live and breathe capital markets and financing costs. Now, so, so we think about rental loans there's there's two ways that interest really affects those guys and you know we all know that rates have gone up precipitously as the fed has gone through this tightening cycle and we expect them to stay generally elevated for a while but where it hits both ways is you know so from a lender perspective our costs to finance our business have gone up we have had to raise our rates that we offer to our rental clients so <laughs> 12 months ago, I'll say in the good old days, you know, it's not uncommon to have rental loans for 30-year kind of fixed term in the you know, 70% LTV range in the mid to high fours, right? I mean, we've even done loans in the threes. Those same loans today are in the mid to high sevens. And so you just think about what a breathtaking <laughs> increase that has been to your business model. Uh, and fortunately, you know, if you've locked into a long-term rate, you're really not feeling that on the existing portfolio. But what it does do is on any of those new properties that you want to go buy, it makes it very challenging to make those same numbers work, right? You got to get more rent to cover the interest, to keep the cash flow at a level that can justify your investment and your leverage. And so our cost of financing, lender cost of financing have gone up. That's across the board. Those have flowed through to the offered rates to investors, which ultimately makes our business model a little bit more difficult. Then you pair on top of that the fact that, you know, there is concern about does unemployment go up and what does that do to renters? Uh, I, I think it's probably still too early to tell, but when I do talk to a lot of rental operators, that's one of the things that keeps them up at night is, okay, am I gonna see softening rents? What does that mean? Am I going to start having a higher amount of vacancy? Am I going to start having a harder time getting those rent increases that have been consistent for the better part of the last five years? And so I think that's something, again, to, to pay attention to. Pay attention to um, vacancies. Pay attention to 
where the uh, unemployment rate goes. And then just from a capital market standpoint, I w would also note there is good news. Like the rental product, the, the way that that gets financed a lot is through the securitization market by issuing bonds. And, and those costs have gone down. The spreads have tightened, which is just to say that like the perceived risk of the asset class and relative risk return trade-off has improved. And so that's really good because that's going to continue to keep uh, financing costs a little bit lower than they were. But, you know, I don't think we're going to get back to early 2022 levels anytime soon. And so operators are going to have sure. to adjust and they're going to have to be more selective in the assets that they acquire. Yeah, I think many, many were put to the test through the pandemic, too. You mm -hmm. know, when you had people that went delinquent on, on rent payments and you couldn't even evict them. So now that a lot of that is sort of eased and gone back to its normalcy state, that, that you know, becomes makes it a little bit easier. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it absolutely is the fear. You know, as we service investors of all shapes and sizes, you know, some it's their, you know, we second or, you know, third uh, single family rental property, some their thousandth. Uh, um, and so losing a tenant and replacing them and going through that process is certainly a, a big concern. I think you touched on, you know, rent growth has been another thing that's just been uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, along with home price appreciation, you know, the forecast that I've been looking into is, you know, a range between three and a half to five and a half percent rent growth on average across the nation. You know, that is a very normal level. If you rewind back a decade plus, I mean, before the great financial crisis, excuse me, before the great financial crisis, you would see, you saw this sort of flat line of rent growth, which was consistently in the same range, you know, around four, four and a half. And so, Again, this is sort of back to this abnormal market that's benefited us all is going back to a little bit more normal market and the perception of like, sure, we don't have double digit rent growth. We're back to the standard rent growth, but it's still rent growth nonetheless. And that's just because there's still such a high demand and shortage in housing. Um, and so that is the one thing that I've seen a lot of from our rental operators and landlords is they still have a huge belief in the asset class. They still have a huge belief in the opportunity to earn, uh, whether it's you know secondary income, uh, their mailbox money, or creating generational wealth for, for their family. Um, you know that opportunity is still there, and most of the stats that I've seen, n nobody's predicting in the anywhere near future a like a formal decline in rent. You know, a decline in the growth of rent, but not a decline in rent. And with the demand from Rentership Nation, I think there's still going to be great yield to be driven through this asset class. And I think to your point, you know, we chuckle a lot of times. We've been in this space for a little bit and we had some, some battle stories of the capital markets and like the original pitches to secondary markets, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago and how that's changed so much. And it's truly become an institutionally accepted asset class. And you get numerous different realms of, you know, investors uh, and the institutional side, whether it's you know, pension and life insurance or your typical, you know, capital markets, financial services companies. I mean, just a lot of people are still heavily in this space. And you would have thought, and we also had these conversations in the last couple of months, is the demand going to go away because the perceived risk is too high uh, with what the outlook is on the market? And it's been really comforting to see that we're starting to get some solace and com definitely confidence in the answer of, no, that demand is, or, and, and supply of capital is still going to be there. Um, you know, this product is a very rate-sensitive product, so talking about the cost of capital behind it's very important. But, you know, as, again, resident head of product development, 
we need to innovate the product a little bit. You know, typically is a, it is a, by definition a long-term permanent financing product. Um, usually the most common one over the last couple of years has been a 30-year fixed. I mean, when you get 30-year fixed at three and a half or, you know, three and a quarter on a lot on of business arm, models it's work like, that way. what's yeah. the difference? It's sort of to an investor who's getting a high yield, it's free money anyways, you know, <laughs> relatively. But, you know, now that rates are higher and we don't expect them to significantly drop back to levels they were at, what are some of the innovative uh, uh, ways that we're looking at making sure we provide solutions to landlords uh, with the current future outlook in the market? Yeah, so a couple things. I mean, one, just financing a variety of types of portfolios. You can do individual, one loan, one property, all the way up to hundreds of properties in one loan because this is a very, I'll call it David and Goliath market. There's a lot of smaller operators, and when I say smaller, I mean, I'm, I'm still talking about people who own dozens or even hundreds of properties. I mean, that is 90% of this market. And so just having cross-collateralized portfolio options that really allow them to get the most juice uh, and the best financing across their portfolio is important. I talked earlier about optionality. Look, I, I said earlier as well, I don't know that interest rates are materially lower this time next year. But two years from now, three years from now, maybe. And so what we really tried to do is at least give our investors the option to take things like no prepaid penalties on their loans. And so what that does is you, you kind of don't have to take the rate risk if you are worried about locking, locking into a 7.5% rate, but you don't have a prepaid penalty, well, that really changes your perspective because now if rates go down to even six and a half, your refinance in the future probably makes a lot more sense and your business model gets that much better, your cash flow gets that much better. I think that's a really important innovation, like specific to product that we've been focused on. And I think it's gonna be immensely helpful to a lot of different investors. Um, and then just generally thinking about how we can create, I'll call them transitional products too. Like we know that investors tend to do rental and fix and flip and build the rent. And so we want to just make sure that like they're complementary, where you can do a, a fix into a rehab, the, the classic burst strategy uh, into a refinance that you can do uh, different structures that make more sense, IO or amortize. Um, and it just really, again, creates that optionality that allows you to take advantage of the specifics of your portfolio. Yeah, because we, we know and, you know, we're adopting this sort of, uh, you know, a lot of homeowners, but specifically investors as well, want to simply date the interest rate because we hope that it gets better. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and without look, just from a very high level bird's eye view of the Fed looking to stop increases or possibly decrease their rates, and then naturally it should flow back to us, which we pass along to our borrowers. Um, you know, but yet you're married to the property. And so again, it's back to there's this, uh, continued confidence from our clientele that is telling us they're resilient in investing in you know uh, cash flowing assets residential focused real estate and so they want to marry the properties because they believe in the strategy they believe in the asset that they bought and the yield that it can provide for them um, but they want to date the rate right now because people have been sort of shell-shocked a little oh bit with God. the rise yeah. the, with the rise and increase they're they're in and so it's really proud of the team that we've really been thinking for on what our clients and investors need which is again providing uh, you know, stabilize and permanent financing so that they don't have this variable rate on a consistent cash flowing asset so they can lock in on a fixed debt cost. 
but then we give them that option to maximize their returns if they want an interest-only versus amortize, and specifically not have a penalty for prepayment so that they can refinance again, hopefully with us, uh, as rates continue to drop and, and you know they're able to get even more yield out of their, their assets. Um, there's one other unique innovation that we came yeah, that we've yeah. deployed here, and we're just excited to service this sector of uh, cash flowing residential real estate. So hit, hit us with that one. Yeah, I'll make a, a quick shameless plug. So we've pushed hard around small multifamily, and we'll, we'll get into some of the larger multifamily projects as well. But we really feel like, and, and hear from our clients, in fact, that there's this sort of in between land, call it under 20 units multifamily you know, quadplex all the way up to, you know, your small apartment complex. And that's a place that's just underfinanced and one that we really believe in for all the reasons we talked about. It really provides more affordable housing that, that's quality and right into the belly of the curve. So that's something else that I think is a really interesting yeah. adaptation. Which in touches the, the last sort of asset class and products is, is our multifamily, um, you know, space. And I mean, that's another one that's been growing fast. And we just we just surpassed a billion dollars in total multifamily originations, which we're really excited about. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, talking about more, it's sort of the, the bridge between small balance multifamily, which is typically defined as loans less than seven million. And a lot of what we service is sort of that one to $5 million loan mark. And then the bottom end of middle market, which is sort of $5 million and up. So they sort of cross over each other that's and we right, sort of right. hit the bullseye right in between the two. and. Certainly, that asset class and investment strategy has seen its interesting share of sort of ebbs and you know and flows. But you know, would you want to talk a little bit about what you've seen there and what we feel? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's been remarkably resilient, durable through even the most challenging of times. Multifamily to me is one of the strongest, most consistent assets, and the way that we think about it is. You know, there's a, a continuum of these assets, you know, class, call it class C up to class A. In the class A, think about your 200 plus unit mega highly amenitized complexes. Those are great. Those are not really what we focus on. Where we really focus and what I think is the most compelling investment opportunity is in these kind of class B, call it C to B conversions, B minus to B plus, where we're coming in and our clients are doing value add, they're upfitting the units, they're increasing rents, but generally just making the assets better. And again, creating more quality units for working class folks to live in. And I just think, yeah, I think that's a noble thing to do, and the fact that it continues to perform. I mean, we talked a lot about rents, and in some ways, it's similar to the the rental, the single-family rental side in terms of relative performance. But I just think it's a great asset class to invest in because we've seen through difficult cycles, even rates increasing, demand remains strong because people just recognize that that need is going to continue to be there and so um multifamily is another place that i continue to hear clients bullish on more than more so than any others like they're continuing to buy even at some more aggressive cap rates and so i don't know if you're hearing the same things but it, it's still yeah. pretty positive from it, my perspective it's been a, a interesting it's followed the tides of um, the other residential asset classes that we service and that it's just continued to get tailwinds and tailwinds and tailwinds and as uh, the true single family asset classes have seen a little bit more headwinds earlier uh, the multifamily sector is starting to feel that a little bit you know uh, we've seen rents seem to have sort of peaked out and hit a hit a ceiling and are coming down but again still growing um, you know cap rates 
are starting to widen out a little bit more as well, but not much. And that's really just, again, because of the demand, uh, because of the results of the yield that, that these assets can provide. And then even, as you said, the noble, noble cause of just providing more affordable housing uh, to a nation that's very much heavy in, in rentership. I think the one thing we've also seen over the last six months significantly is um, sort of like price acceptance and discovery between buyers and sellers. So, you know, call it maybe, you know, the beginning of the second half of last year, Q3, and certainly into Q4, um, you know, the gap has closed between what the buyer expects uh, to pay and a seller expects to sell at. And so, you know, uh, you know, mid last year, this gap started to be like here. And what happened was we saw just a little bit of a slowing in transactions because, you know, buyers were thinking, hey, there's risk coming to the market, so I should be paying less for this. And sellers are saying, no, there's still a ton of demand. Look at all, you know, look at the rents I'm achieving, and the yields you can get from it. But that started to come back down to a level to where it's allowing more transactions to open back up. Um, and we're excited to ride that momentum into this year here and specifically provide bridge loans to reposition assets um, that, you know, either are already operating smoothly and they, they want to drive more returns and, and improve and the units by doing so. And refinance into the agencies. Correct. Or, or others that have a heavier lift uh, that aren't necessarily performing right now, um, that are far away from getting permanent financing and they actually need to, you know, stabilize, you know, reposition and then stabilize the asset. So uh, there's a lot of money. Uh, on the equity side, um, there's certainly a ton of money on the, the, the lending side, um, and so we hope to continue to fulfill uh, the needs of our multifamily uh, investors. And again, just, it's been really cool to see people progress from fixing and flipping to drive heavy income, um, scaling businesses, investing that into cash flowing single family assets and portfolios. And then many of them, they start into smaller multifamily, like this five to 10, five to 20 units. And they're like, wow, the economies of scale are great. And you know, we keep making all this money because of all the tailwinds we've been having and the execution we've been doing in the market. And now we wanna keep growing and getting bigger. And, and you know, the ability to see these investors grow uh, create wealth for their, not only their current family, but their future generational family. And then additionally, revitalize neighborhoods and provide you know housing to, to those that need it as there's continued demand and shortage. It's been a pretty cool cycle to see. Uh, and that's why we walk through these products from fix and flip to new construction to rental to, to multifamily, because we've seen that progression of our clients uh, and certainly grow in, in all things that they do. Um, so so let's, let's sort of look to end it here. Um, in this year, 2023, what are some things that you hope to see? We talked a lot about what we expect to see, but like, what do you hope to see? What are you looking forward to seeing in this upcoming market? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how much time we got left? Like, this is <laughs> this is a important question. Overall, I, I'm very optimistic, and what I hope to see is that we're going to continue to have a soft landing now. I don't know for sure if that's possible, but I hope that we see delinquencies continue to remain low. I hope that we continue to see at least stabilization in the capital markets and the cost of financing that gives people predictability. I hope we continue to see uh, supply chains less disrupted, materials costs come in. And at minimum, I hope we see home prices uh, you know, stay flat. And I think those things will really create a set of conditions that the quality uh, and capacity of our investor clients is such that they'll be really able to take advantage of, of that situation and, and be really successful in their businesses. So I would say continued 
low delinquencies, great loan performance, at least flat home prices, and stable capital markets are three factors that, sure. to me, would be really, really beneficial for 2023. Agree. You know, and the way that I'll sum that up is simply, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing more of the same more of a different same, if that makes any bit of sense. It's certainly going to be a different year in a different market. And how we all go about that, that's from a lending perspective or an operating perspective, is going to be a little unpredictable and certainly different. But, you know, the action that we all see, the ability to, to provide great loans for great acquisitions that drive great yield, that revitalize neighborhoods, you know, we as a real estate investment community, whether you're operating in it or you're servicing it as we do, um, I think we're only going to continue to grow. I think that we've seen this snowball continue to get bigger and bigger. Like you said earlier, the amount of investor transactions, you know, peaked, I think, like 25% roundabout of total transactions. That's a huge piece of a huge part of our economy in real estate. And um, I'm excited that, you know, the fundamentals on the lending side are strong. Uh, we take a lot of prudence and diligence to how we look at it. We want your deals to be successful. We know you want your deals to be successful as well. So we have this mutual vested interest. And the last thing is like the, the more of the same that I want to see is like, this community of all things real estate investing has this mentality of continuing to grow, continuing to improve, continuing to be resilient. We have a lot of fun. We all certainly work hard, play hard. Um, but that co this community that we've built and sort of the emotions that come from out from it and the people that are there within it, which to me is the most important part, is what I'm just most excited for. And so in, in closing notes here, uh, we wish you the most happy and pros prosperous and profitable year here ahead. Uh, we look forward to working with many of you. If you need to find out more about our products, please reach out to us. Uh, please share your feedback because we need it to, hopefully you can tell, keep our ear to the ground because our job and our role is to provide solutions for real estate investors. Uh, we're in the people and the relationship business. We're in the lending business for sure, but we look at it much greater than that. Hopefully you've gotten a good gist of that here and uh, we wish you a very profitable year. Thanks for joining us. Happy 2023. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable common sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show. 